coordination and sounds feel to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. If casually asked, I would say I cook. I think of myself as someone who is capable of going to the grocery store, shopping for what I need, getting it all home, and whipping up a pretty delicious, nutritious, and low-effort meal. But my bank account would tell a pretty different story. Sure, I'm hitting Trader Joe's occasionally, but mostly I'm eating out or ordering takeout almost every single night. I'm Ella Dove, Senior Director of Creative Development here at Well and Good, and frankly, I'm not alone in this self-delusion. A casual poll of the team here at Well and Good and my extended friend group paints a pretty similar picture. We all want to cook more, but we're just not. On today's episode, I'm examining the question, why does cooking feel so hard? Is it a result of the pandemic or busy lifestyles, or has it just gotten too convenient not to cook? To figure it out, I sat down with Chef Inat Admoni and RD Maya Feller to talk about why cooking can feel so hard and learn their tips for making it a little easier to get cooking and hopefully have some fun in the process for this holiday season, but more importantly, beyond. My name is Renata Dumoni. I'm a chef and owner of Balabusta Restaurant in New York City in the West Village. I have two cookbooks and a lot of other things down the pipe. So a lot of people are still cooking at home, but I think that there's, especially for busy people who work, maybe they're cooking for a family and working a full-time job, cooking for themselves and working a full-time job, cooking has become a little bit of a struggle. And we're kind of diving deep into how that's happened, why that's happened, and how to get out of the rut. I feel like you're really the uh, perfect person to have this conversation with. <laughs> I'm always said I almost cook since I walk. 
I always been cooking since I remember myself and are growing up the way I did. It's kind of a mandatory thing. And and I start my career because I I want to feed people. I couldn't hear somebody said I'm hungry. It's always like ah, oh, it's used to kill me. Somebody said I'm so hungry. I'm like I have to feed them. So it's come from a very nurturing place. I think, especially when I was younger, I think. Uh, express emotion in a verbal way was a little bit hard. And I think so, feed people, it's the best way for me to show love till today. And for me, I'm still cooking a lot at home. I found better ways, like, because I'm very, very busy. Uh, so I train my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I want tips on that. <laughs> so get uh, some French guy <laughs> that have a great palate. <laughs> but there is other ways. Like I, I work a lot. I'm not every evening at home. When I'm home, I'm cooking. I'm doing Shabbat dinner every Friday. I invite a lot of people. I like to host. In the last few years, I have uh, this beautiful house upstate New York that I have a small farm and chickens or fresh eggs. And it's a beautiful uh, kitchen that I can cook. And I cook a lot. I'm actually, I just talked to my friend this weekend and I said, you know what? I think I'm kind of sick. Like the minute I finish the breakfast, I think what I'm cooking for lunch and on and on and on and on. And while my last thought before I close my eyes and actually it's moving to real dreams my last thought is about food. I wake up with thinking about new dishes and I go into sleep with thinking about new dishes. The funny thing is that most of the chefs I know don't cook much at home. They really don't. That's the weirdest things. That's what I always was making fun of my friend. I said, what kind of chef? Like, Are you enjoying cooking or it's just like, that's what you know how to do? For me, it's, it's a very different, like I can cook all day, all day, every day, everywhere, anywhere. Over the years, as you've gotten busier and cooking, obviously you really enjoy it and it kind of fills your cup versus drains your cup. But do you feel like you've kind of created, whether it's routines or methods that make it easier for you to cook when you do get home after a long day? Yes. So I do different things. So first, uh, right now I have a company I'm working with called Cook Unity and I have packaging of, of my food, <laughs> not just mine. I'm checking a lot of amazing other chefs beside me. So my kids have, they come from uh, school around between 3 to 3.30 to 4, yeah? Most of the time, my husband and myself are not here yet. So if they're really hungry, they take one uh, box and they can eat it up, micro, over, no problem. So I have that always uh, on stock at home. And I have some stuff in the freezer that I make. It can be meatballs, can be schnitzel, just like fried or eat up. It can be a lot of different things that uh, they can take out and eat on, on a go. My kids eat very well, and they eat really cool stuff. Like, they're not very picky. They've never been. So it's it's a easier things for me. But there is ways for even chefs that, like, tired to come. There is a better way. You do once a week, you cook, and you make, like, five different things, and you freeze them or put them in packaging, get a vacuum sealer and some bags, and just make them in a freezer so they take less space, and it's getting less spoil too fast. So this is another thing. I always have a vacuum sealer. I put everything there. Then the weekend now, we cook a lot. I do a big dinners every week. Where do you recommend people start when they are feeling a little bit intimidated in the kitchen? There is so many ways. Today, the world is your oyster. There is so many cookbooks out there. There is so many social media. You just need to find few chefs like me that you want to follow and understand what they're doing and you like the cuisine. 
So if you like, like really Vietnamese, find the best Vietnamese uh, cook and just find the people you trust that giving you great recipe and follow that and stay creative. That's another thing. People, some people follow recipe by tea, but it's fine. You can start with like follow recipe one-on-one and then slowly take that recipe and make your own and change some stuff and see how you can substitute stuff. And I come from a long line of uh, ancestors that like always cooking. So I know how we don't use recipes. My mom never opened a book and like, okay, I cooked it. Like there is no recipes. Yeah, my mom doesn't even follow a recipe when she bakes. Yeah, me too. I love that. How do you bake without a recipe? She just knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel really lucky that I grew up, my mom's mom cooks, my mom cooks, my dad cooks. You know, we grew up in this family that was always cooking. If you don't come from that background, I do think cooking can be kind of intimidating. How do you get comfortable in the kitchen? What does that look like? I think the most important is to have a really good knife. Seriously, we start with a good knife. Then, Then you have a nice cutting board. One good pen, one good path, like you have some equipment. You don't need the best, even though you should have the best. And again, there is so much content, so much content today. Even my 13 years old, she's following some TikTok chefs and she come up with recipe. Not too bad. If you're cooking for yourself and you became more independent through that, yay. You start with a knife and you make yourself kind of a comfortable area. Put music, not too much volume, so you can concentrate. (laughs) But, yeah. I think that's really important. I think there's, especially for women, there's so much pressure on kind of nourishing your family. There is so many other ways. Again, cook once a week, big day, take a day weekend five hours just cook this easy stuff and pack them so the kids have variety and nutrition and the kids like pasta put vegetable in a pasta your kids like meatballs put uh, sweet potatoes zucchini that's what i used to do when they were younger and i want to pack it with a lot of nutrition and vitamins i used to put a lot of grains my kids always said they hate zucchini you know how many zucchini they have in the food without even knowing like seriously and there is so many ways to make it creative. Kids like chicken nuggets or schnitzel. So make the schnitzel a little bit healthier, you know. Try to use air fryer now instead of... Uh, and also what you think for health for you as adult, it's definitely different for kids. Kids can have a lot of butter. They can have a lot of cholesterol when they're young. So the, the, the cooking, the kind of like state of mind I have as a 50 years old woman, it's a very different than what my kids have in, in their own, you know, diet. So. There is a lot of things for women that want to cook really fast and they don't have time. There is so many meals that go in one pot. You know, you put five things in one, you make it nice. I have tons of tricks with that, like how to elevate that. I use my Arisa in so many things because one spoon would change the whole dish. And there is like a few spices that will make things really tasty without to put too much work and too much uh, knife skills and things like that. If you had to keep your pantry stocked with 10 things, because I imagine for you, it's a lot more than that. So I'm going to give you a limit. (laughs) So I I have, as an Israeli, I'm also Persian, yeah, and Yamanai. There is a lot of spices in my pantry. Spices that not just always the basic, paprika, turmeric, and cumin is a basic. It's the tree that have a lot of dishes, they have them. But then I have like things that are very hard to find, like fenugreek leaves that I have here. 
I have sometimes carry leaves in the house, like things that are a little bit more hard to to find. And and then all the blend, the Middle Eastern blend, like Hawaii, Ajbarat, Shawarma mix, all this stuff. I always have that. So that's I going to uh, calculate as one. <laughs> that's fair. Obviously, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the spices rack. And then I have tahini always, yogurt always, preserved lemon always, arisa always. Um, I need dry mint because it's making a lot of great vinaigrette and sauces and stuff. So dry mint and bones. I have a lot of time like bone marrow and something like that for my Yamanite soup and things like that or stews. I have crazy amount of pickles always because I have a garden upstate. When I finish my garden, I take everything, I clean, I cure, preserve, pickle. I do all of that. Amber sauce always in the fridge too. I don't even know what that is. Amber means mango, mango. It's kind of a mango and fenugreek chutney. It came to Israel from juice from Iraq, and it's delicious. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Maya Feller, RD, cookbook author, mother, and fellow busy person, has different and slightly more tactical insight on the subject of feeding oneself. I am a registered dietitian and I have a private practice. We are a lean group of dietitians, meaning that we're not tons of us, but you know, we're a small but mighty group. And we work with people who either have a diagnosis of a non-communicable condition or are at risk of receiving a diagnosis. So people who have you know, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, or someone who's been told, listen, you have prediabetes and you should see a dietitian to kind of work with them so to bring your blood sugars back within normal limits. We also do some intensive in-home work with special populations. Uh, so people who may have higher needs and require like nutrition interventions where we're going in multiple times per week and we're working with them as part of a larger care team. 
And when I am not seeing patients, I actually recently completed writing a new cookbook called Eating From Our Roots, and it's going to be on sale January 24th, uh, 2023. That's very exciting. Um, and that's like a major part, actually, of how I think about food and nutrition. Uh, it's actually reflected in my book and kind of the way that I think about how people can interact with food in a way that actually brings them joy and pleasure. Yeah. I'm definitely someone who says I enjoy cooking. I don't find myself stressed out by cooking. I grew up in a household where we just like whipped up a lot of things into a pot. Nothing was perfect. There were a myriad of friends and family kind of coming in and out, but I still have a hard time cooking for myself. My husband and I just don't cook as much as we used to. And I want to talk today about why we think that's happened and how we can kind of reinvigorate cooking from home. So my first question is, where, why do you think people are cooking less than they used to? I mean, what I see with my patients and also the people that I interact with is like, we're tired. Folks are really tired. You know what I mean? Like, like coming at like, I guess, post pandemic ish, wherever we are, but people are tired, right? Yeah. And a lot of my patients are in this like hybrid kind of in office work from home, you know, um, like kind of have enough childcare, but kind of don't. And, you know, so it's like, there's just a lot going on and they're like, yeah, I don't know about adding yet another meal to my rotation of things that I have to do. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, like back when I was working in the office five days a week, yeah, maybe sometimes I packed myself a lunch, but mostly I ate lunch out. And then if we didn't have food to cook at home on the way home from work, it was such an easy thing to like stop at a store and pick up some food to kind of finish a meal where now you've been home all day. You're probably logging off right as you're going to roll into dinner hour and like, I don't want to go to the store and get the head of lettuce I need to complete my meal. Um, I think that's a huge part of it. Obviously, people who can access food and have the means to access the food they need to cook are not cooking as much. Yeah. Having access to safe, affordable, nutritious food, especially in light of inflation. Right. Um, so we already have, you know, people from kind of the middle class who are starting to think about food prices in a really different way and people from marginalized communities who've always thought about food prices really saying like, wow, these things just can't show up on my plate anymore because they're luxury items. Yeah. And so I do think when you add finances and access uh, to the conversation around why we're not cooking or why people have reduced the amount that they're cooking, we have to take that into consideration. So, okay. All of that in the background. Do you cook at home? So I do cook at home and it's really interesting. Like, you know, sometimes a patient or someone will say like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, actually, I'm like, we shouldn't even talk about what I do because I spend 90% of my time thinking about food, uh, thinking about procuring food, improving my own access to choices. You know, like I, I go upstate to get animal proteins. Like I have a favorite farmer that I get my dairy from. It's not the norm. Like whatever's happening in my home is like, you know, some kind of nutrition food heaven. Yeah. Okay. We can't all be food <laughs> experts and create our own food heavens just because like, then what would you do? You know? Um, 
So in your years as an expert in the space, have you developed a formula that you feel like has worked for your um, patients to make it a little easier to kind of prepare food yourself at home? Yeah, absolutely. So I always take finances and access and like someone's work conditions, um, their family, like the whole picture into consideration when we're thinking about, okay, how do we stock that pantry? How do we make your home a place that allows you to make quick meals, in-depth meals, also bring food in without feeling shame or guilt? Because I really want um, people to feel like they can eat and that there's not a moral hierarchy around what they're consuming. So a big push with all of my patients is, A, what are the foods that you can tolerate? What are the foods that you already like? Um, Things that you are really comfortable making, uh, especially things that come from plants right? Because we know that plants from a nutrition perspective are just really, really important to have as a part of the pattern of eating. Um, and also then what foods are culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. So once we've kind of narrowed all of that down, then it's time to go to the grocery store and shop the entire store, right? And so when I say the entire store, I'm talking about the perimeter and I'm talking about the center aisles. I'm talking about the frozen section, I'm talking about everything. And that's really how you build a pantry that's got plenty of variety and also takes into consideration those days when you're like, really, I need a dinner that's done in seven minutes flat. Yeah. All right. So can you take us through kind of your go-to staples when you're stocking up at the grocery store? Yeah, absolutely. So for patients, what I usually say is, you know, what are the seasoning herbs and vegetables that you like? So like your garlics, your onions, because those can be on your countertop um, so that you're just using them. And if you can tolerate them, I absolutely say make sure that they're there and accessible as you're shopping. Then the next thing I like to think about is what are the flavors you're using? We're all really accustomed to working with sugar, fat, and salt, but what about the herbs, the rosemary, the thyme, the sage, you know, because right now that's kind of what we're thinking about from a seasonal perspective, but then maybe in some of the summer months, we're like more like on parsley, cilantro, tarragon, things like that, that we can infuse into our food to really bump up the flavor and also make our veggies like so much more flavorful and likely that we're like, "Mm, I really want to have this. Then I think about like, what are the dips and sauces that you want to have in your house that also fit your health goals? Because you can literally, Ella, you can take like um, any kind of flavor packet that is or pouch or liquid or juice and toss it on top of protein of your choice and veggies and you have a one pot meal. You know, like that is just really incredible and you're like oh this tastes delicious and it took you 20 minutes and then we go through like really canned box jarred frozen section i like to make sure that the freezer has an assortment of frozen vegetables um, maybe some frozen rice maybe some frozen vegetable mixes and this is where i say to people read those nutrition facts labels right if you want romanesco it should just be romanesco if you want romanesco olive and salt then it should be Romanesco olive and salt. But you've got to read those labels so that you're putting foods that you want into your freezer. And if you want a frozen pizza, you know what I mean? Then you put a frozen pizza in there, but you're making an intentional choice. I love to have an assortment of grains, different types of rices, red, black, white, 
browned wild rice. Because when you've got a pantry that has choices like that, then you can actually create meals quickly and meals that actually you look forward to consuming, right? Because maybe someone likes boiled chicken. Probably your dog that likes the boiled chicken. Yeah, no, no offense to anybody out there who likes boiled chicken, but you know, <laughs> but it's some flavor is nice. Exactly. Right. So, but it's like, imagine, you know what I mean? You put a little pesto or like, you know, a little curry on your chicken. Now you're talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So you mentioned something earlier that I think plays a really big part in kind of motivation to cook. And that's the idea that what you're cooking is culturally relevant. Can you talk me through your philosophy there? Absolutely. When I say food that's culturally relevant, I mean food that A, you connect with as an individual, right? So like for the listener, like what is your background and your heritage? Are there dishes that bring you back to your childhood that, you know, family members were making, um, foods that always showed up? Those are foods that are culturally relevant. And so I think it's important that we make space for foods that have flavor and these kind of old ways of being prepared and recognize that they are inherently healthy um, and that you don't just have to have a smoothie or a juice to be on the health bandwagon. Um, and those things are fine, but there are plenty of varieties of how health manifests itself. Yeah. When you were writing your cookbook, how did you think about the recipes you were bringing forward? What What's included in there? Um, and do you feel like your recipes are kind of like some are seven minutes and some are maybe like fancy and press your friends dinners? Listen, there's some slow food in there, 100%. Um, and there's also some food that takes, you know, a shorter amount of time to prepare. But really, the main focus of the book is how do we bring flavor to the forefront and how do I take people on this kind of culinary journey around the world um, and excite their taste buds and also excite people to re-enter the kitchen. And I want people to come back to the kitchen without the moral hierarchy around what they should be eating and to remove guilt and shame because nutrition, nourishment does not come with a side of guilt or shame, right? It's about enjoying what we have and then moving on. So it's Wednesday night. You've had a hellish day. You're tired, but you got to make dinner. You don't want to take a lot of time. What are you making? So if it's me in my house, I always have um, a bag of like pre-cut veggies of some sort um, in their fresh form. And those are usually going into the pan with like a little bit of low sodium vegetable broth or low sodium chicken broth, onion, garlic. Um, they're getting steamed and cooked down. And maybe there will be a bean that's been in the instant pot that will go with it, uh, avocado. And then sometimes there's like uh, animal protein. And that is like 20 minutes. Um, if I'm really not cooking, sometimes we have tamales from the freezer dumplings from the freezer. Um, the other night we had pasteles that uh, someone had made in Trinidad wrapped in banana leaf. And I was like, yes, hallelujah, because it was a no cook night. Um, and we had that literally, I think I had a bag of like shredded 
cabbage uh, that I just dressed and we had pasteles and shredded cabbage and I was like, delicious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your advice for somebody who wants to start cooking more and just feels like they're like, I'm going to cook tomorrow. I'm going to cook tomorrow. I'm going to cook tomorrow and keep finding themselves coming back to the, to the apps. Yeah. The first thing that I say is um, congratulations on wanting to actually cook. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Seriously. The next thing I say is if it is, if there are multiple barriers and challenges, this is where we've got to bring the chef help, chef's helpers. There is no shame at all. Chopped onion, chopped garlic, like, you know, we need those things so that you can actually prepare food. So don't feel ashamed about having those things in your home. Pre-washed veggies, you know what I mean? Like That's very, very helpful. Canned beans, that's really helpful. Like, I mean, you can make rice and beans in a second if you have canned beans, like a second. And then you just need an avocado and maybe some like tomato and lime on the side um, and you're good to go. You know what I mean? Like you've got a meal right there. So really lean into having those quick options at the ready to support your desire to cook. And also know that like a dish that's prepared that way is just as good as a dish that you took seven hours to cook. Yeah. I mean, there is so much that's happening right now. And I'm like, food should not make you guilty. There's a lot of other things that we all have to carry on our shoulders. Food should not make you feel guilty. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) There are a million different reasons why we want to cook. We're told it's good for us. We're told it's better for us. We're told takeout is bad for you. We all know that it can be a lot more expensive to order out, though these days grocery shopping feels expensive as well. And so for me, it has a little to do with saving money, but a little more to do with carving out some time for myself that isn't screen-based. I do order food from an app and I have all these cookbooks that I'm not using. What's the point of this kitchen filled with said cookbooks and gadgets and lovingly seasoned cast iron pans if I don't even use them? But it's also about community. After Anat and I stopped our podcast recording, we had a little chat about the holidays and cooking and what our plans are. And we talked about how cooking for the people you love is a really beautiful way to show them that you love them. It's definitely something I like to do for my friends and family and something I wish I was just doing more. So whatever you're deciding to cook more, whatever is your reason, I hope today's episode left you feeling a little less daunted by the process of making it happen. On today's show, you heard from Inat Admoni and Maya Feller. This episode was mixed, scored, and scripted in part by Sari Gabrielli and produced by Taylor Camille, Abby Stone, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains at Well & Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt Didomatico. Our show art was designed by Jenny Gibson and Karina Masonette. And you can find links to all the cookbooks we talked about today in the show notes below.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.